truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Aaron McIntyre. Todders and are here with me. If you'd like to join us, 888-900-3393 is the number, 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Email us there, steve at stevedace.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at Steve Day Show. For those of you listening today via Blaze Radio or Podcast, Last name is D-E-A-C-E, and if you are listening to us today via the uh, podcast, thank you for carving out some time uh, in your busy schedule to make us a part of your uh, of your day. Please, if you don't mind, leaving us a five-star review wherever you podcast from. The more of those we get, the more likely we are to get more people like you to join us, and then the more likely we are to get to continue to do in this show that you have demonstrated you have questionable taste by liking, all right? Thousands of you have already left us those five-star reviews. Thank you very much. We need even more. So please, if you got a couple of minutes extra today, if you wouldn't mind uh, keeping them coming, we would be very appreciative. It's a jam-packed Tuesday for you. Yes, of course, today, Pop Culture Tuesday, we'll be breaking down the final trailer we will ever see, but probably not with the Skywalker saga because there's just there's just too much money to be made but but they're saying it is so we shall see uh, we will uh, show it and then break it down for you with pop culture tuesday a little bit later on also we'll play our weekly game of fake news or not some fascinating data from the Guttmacher Institute, which I have used as a source in a lot of my own pro-life research even though they are a pro-killing think tank, but using their own data is so damning, we don't even have to dress it up with any of our own bias whatsoever, that their own data is is damning enough, and we're going to talk about that with a guest here at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of those events, first we must begin with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by Everything Really Is Bigger in Texas. That includes total depravity. A jury in Texas returned a verdict yesterday that will prevent a Texas father from intervening in the so-called gender transition of his seven-year-old son. Jeffrey Younger had petitioned a court in Texas to grant him sole custody of his twin sons, James and Jude, to avert a plan by the boy's mother to allow James to be infused with female hormones. The jury ruled that the boy's mother will maintain sole custody of the children and go forward with her plans to give seven-year-old James medical procedures that will change his life. In other news, Always Feminine Hygiene products have removed the female symbol from their packaging to be inclusive. Procter & Gamble released a statement saying, quote, Not everyone who has a period and needs to use a pad identifies as female, end quote. Headline at Glamour, 12 men share their abortion stories. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is, I'm not so sure coming to America was the best decision. No estoy tan seguro de que venir a Estados Unidos haya sido la mejor decisión. Beto O'Rourke is back out there saying stuff. President Trump, perhaps inspired by... Goebbels and the propagandists of the Third Reich seem to employ this tactic that the bigger the lie, the more obscene the injustice, 
the more dizzying the pace of this bizarre behavior, the less likely we are to be able to do something about it. Did I hear you correctly say that perhaps he was influenced by Gurgel and the Third Reich in terms of uh, uh, telling a big lie? I just want to make sure that's what I heard you say. That's right. There is so much that is resonant of the Third Reich in this administration. Here's a live look at what Beto O'Rourke's campaign strategy seems to be like recently. President Trump talked about the Democrats. I think they're lousy politicians. But two things they have. They're vicious and they stick together. They don't have Mitt Romney in their midst. They don't have people like that. They stick together. You never see them break off. Justin Trudeau has won another term as Canada's prime minister. He beat out his conservative party rival Andrew Scheer despite losing the popular vote. A report surfaced yesterday stating Democratic presidential hopeful Pete Buttigieg hired campaign staffers recommended by Facebook chief Mark Zuckerberg. Totally normal things. Speaking of totally normal things, a photo surfaced last week of California Congresswoman Katie Hill brushing the hair of a female campaign staffer in the nude. This followed a bombshell story from Red State alleging a so-called thruple relationship between Hill, her now estranged husband, and that campaign staffer. Totally shocking, but absolutely no mainstream media coverage of this story. Also, no comment from Hill's office. She serves as the vice chair of the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. Vice says, Americanizing someone's name to make your life easier is at best lazy and at worst racist. The general public, it seems, is starting to get fed up with the climate crazies. This video surfaced recently at an In-N-Out Burger. Don't touch him! Don't touch him! Get your hands off me! And finally, praise and worship gone wrong. what happened well we were away <laughs> um <laughs> give me <laughs> it goes on for like another two minutes i'm sure that it does that's why i i'm sure that it does i'm sure they're sincere that's that's what makes it so so good Aaron's montage brought to you by our friends over at Keeps who know who know when they see something that sucks like that video you just watched and also uh, when it comes to losing your hair as well what you may not know though is that the cause of your hair loss could be a hormone known as DHT now there is a possible solution the FDA has approved two hair care uh, treatment products that help control your DHT and prevent hair loss it's even triggered hair regrowth in a good percentage of guys as well now until though until recently those products were very expensive they also required a doctor visit but not anymore keeps now offers the generic versions of those two fda approved hair care products so not only are they about 90 percent effective but they're totally affordable and right now we're offering a great deal with keeps as well if you answer just a few questions snap a few pictures of your hair and a licensed doctor will review review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you it's shipped right to your door so if you're tired of losing your hair here's that special offer 
a free online doctor consult and 50% off your first order. That's right, 50% off your first order at keeps.com slash grow right now. 50% off your first order at keeps.com slash grow. That's keeps.com slash grow. We're going to discuss... Uh, we're going to discuss the the curious disconnect of Beta O'Rourke's presidential candidacy coming up in the overtime today. For those of you that are Blaze TV subscribers, uh, it'll be up later this afternoon. If you'd like to be, blazetv.com slash dace is how you can get a discounted subscription rate. And we'll give you all the exclusive content we do every day here at Blaze TV, including our bonus program. There's a fascinating disconnect there. And, and we're going to discuss in our panel if we can explain the fact that Beta O'Rourke is has become the in the incarnation of what the comments section at every lefty website and blog has ever said. Right? I mean, he I mean he is he's a vessel for what they say in social media, what they say, you know, in forums, what they say in the comments section, everywhere you go. And yet. He is reaping no benefit from this at all. In fact, the more that he embodies their spirit of the age, the worse his candidacy seems to do. How do we explain this disconnect? We're going to get into that later today if, with the overtime right here on Blaze TV. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. So let's get to some of the other things that are in the overtime today. I, I want to say this. The comments that Donald Trump says there about Mitt Romney and that Democrats don't have people like this. I have made this point for many years. The reality is, with a very limited exception, like a Joe Manchin in West Virginia, who will leave the reservation every now and then, the vast majority of the time, and I would say it's like 98%, if you vote for someone who pretends to be a Southern moderate, like Mary Landrieu, former Louisiana Democrat senator, she's going to have virtually the exact same voting record as Dianne Feinstein out of California. In fact, if you open up the first few pages of this book right here, Truth Bombs, where it begins is, is it looks at the Liberty scorecards at Conservative Review for elected Democrats in Washington who represent swing states, right? places where, they, where Democrats can lose in presidential elections or statewide. And what you'll find is that their Liberty scorecard is further to the left than the Liberty scorecards of your Mitch McConnell's, John Cornyn's, et cetera, who are Republicans in deep red states um, uh, who cannot possibly lose. They're further, the, the Democrats in swing states are further to the left than the Democrats in certain states are, I'm sorry, Freudian slip, than the Republicans in certainty states are to the right. But see, here's the problem. He, everything he says there is correct. Okay? But ladies and gentlemen, there's two people involved in this conversation right now. One of them's name, Steve Dace, and the other one endorsed Mitt Romney over his primary opponent in his U.S. Senate race. Who would that be? That would be Donald Trump. You mean to tell me that if Donald Trump didn't put the full weight of the Republican Party apparatus behind a conservative challenger, at the very least, he could have scared the hell out of Mitt Romney because one thing we have seen, as John McCain once said about Mitt, Mitt, we agree, you are the candidate of change. At the very least, you could have scared the hell out of him and said, hey, all right, we only got 43% against you this time. But we'll come back at you next time and actually get the 51 we need to throw you out. Nope. 
He endorsed him. In fact, he endorses all of these rhinos in every single one of these primaries. All of these people that you don't like, that screw them over constantly, he endorses them all of the time. He has been really... He, he's, he's, he's been really no real threat to the swamp, really. Which, is, which, which just goes to show how much the swamp sucks, that it goes out of its way to discredit itself, to concoct crazy Russian collusion uh, you know, storylines and P-tapes and everything else to get rid of this guy because they hate you so much. They're so afraid of you. But... But Which he echoes really, your Magic R conversation yes, of yesterday. Yes, but he does nothing to move the Overton window within the party apparatus at all. Nothing. I, I mean, he, he can't get the Republican Party, and, and I don't know if he can't or he won't. I, and I, and I don't, I'm not close enough to the situation, and I know s- several people working in the White House, but one of the ways we stay friends despite our differences is I don't, I don't put baby in a corner with questions like this, you know, and, and they don't do the same. I mean, hey, they'll call me up. If they, if they think I said something factually inaccurate on the show, they'll call me, and just like I've, I'll do the same on the other end. But if it's an opinion disagreement, we don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's because that's how you stay friends with people, you know, abuse relationships like that. So I, I don't, I, I can't get close enough to the situation to know if he just won't do it. Meaning if there's anybody inside there, we know it's not Javanka because they're the ones cutting the deals with all of these Republicans that screw the old man over all the time. Okay. You know, you, you, I, you, watching how they behave, I think we got a real raw deal here. I think this would have been a far better presidency if it would have been Don Jr. in the White House this entire time and Javanka were out there on the speaking circuit. But anybody else want to maybe think, disagree with that? No. I think it's pretty clear. If, if we, I mean, Don Jr., I think, is speaking on a speaking tour right now titled Culture War. That's the name of his speaking tour. <laughs> I want to be on that speaking tour. I want to be on a speaking tour tired, titled Culture War. That's like on my career bucket list, all right? We should have put that guy at 1600, and Team Javanka should be out there, you know, doing the speaking circuit and the banquet circuit. We got, we, we got, the, we got the polarities mixed up here, okay? But, but he has endorsed all of these people that are shafting him all of the time. He's used, he's put up, in fact, who's the head of the RNC? What's her name? You guys know her name? Romney, Romney McDaniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the the RNC is essentially when the when, when there's a president in the White House of that party, the RNC is essentially the political office of the presidency. That's and that and that's how they kind of keep things separate from a legal standpoint. But it's that's what it is. It's the until it, it, it it's the it's the political arm of the presidency until the campaign season full swing begins. So. A member of the Romney family is running the political apparatus. I mean, I mean, he's he hasn't done anything to demonstrably change this dynamic. He's really good about whining about this stuff and tweeting about it. And and frankly, a lot of you, that's all that you have shown you you really want. You know, somebody who I feel your pain. That's really all you want. You know, you get to own the memes lib. You get to share something about how bad Willard sucks on Facebook, and you know, you're good to go. Okay. Well, the good news for you, you know, you're like Michigan fans who are like, well, you know, we can't do any better than eight and four, nine and three, despite the fact we're the second most lucrative football program, according to Forbes, and we're the winningest team of all time. We just couldn't possibly aspire to be better than that. You know, okay, then that's all you're going to get when that's all you aspire to be. Similarly, if all you want is a meme and a, and a, and a, and a mutual uh, lament, dude, you're crushing it right now. 
Now, if you'd like this dynamic to change, he's done nothing to help you in that arena. Nothing to empower the grassroots on any level whatsoever. Nothing. nothing. He's done nothing to set up like Reagan did. Reagan had his faults, but when he left the White House, the conservative grassroots was so empowered that he set us up for 20 years of influence within the Republican Party after he walked away. When, when Trump walks away, um, whether it's by hook or by crook, the next election or he's term limited out or impeachment, he has done nothing. If, if, if you like the themes and stuff he touches on at his rallies, he's done nothing from an from a actual organizational standpoint as a politician to set you up to, to move and capitalize on these themes and issues after he has gone. Nothing. Nothing. In fact, he is, that, that's, why he's, that's, why, that's why you have no leverage over the GOP machine. That's why they're just waiting him out. Because they're, they're gonna, they know once he leaves, a lot of the stuff that they don't like about you will leave with him. At least your ability to act on it. All you'll have left is to call shows like this. And they'll just go right back to business as usual. That's their plan. And it's going to be successful to some level on an organizational level. I don't think it'll be successful on a messaging level. I think that cat's out of the bag and they're fooling themselves on that. But on an organizational level, it's absolutely going to be successful because there's no, nowhere where there are any boots on the ground to change that. And in fact, what he's done, like he did with Mark Sanford, is he took actually somebody who was good on your issues and got rid of them for a complete and total squish because they said mean things about him on, you know, on CNN and Twitter. So he is, this is, that clip to me is like a snapshot of this presidency. The absolute right observation and complaint, it couldn't be more spot on. But when you look at the actual action, he's done nothing to act on it. And in fact, his actions have often reinforced the reasons for the lament in the first place. Anybody want to add to that or should we move on? I'm too sad to speak right now. Move on. Same. Okay. Then let's 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 make it even more depressing, okay? While we're at it. Um if this was your kid and a court said that you had to mutilate him at 7 years old, your response would be what, Aaron? Uh taking the kid and I'm heading to Alaska. Todd Same and some version of that. This is appalling uh and the, you said it, I'm just, Texas, you said it in a yeah. tweet today, and yeah. you repeated it. Uh, wh- this is, we are now in, um, what can men do drag such, queen, against yeah, such reckless hate? Drag queen a story jury. time hour in Wichita. A, guys, yeah. a jury. Yeah. A ju- this wasn't yeah. some, ju- it was exactly. a freaking jury. Yes. This wasn't some lone judge that's left over from the Ann Richards era, okay, or or squeezed through when they had to they had to put one rainbow jihad person, the Republican governor did, to not be a homophobe, and and this is you just happen to lose the judge lottery and you'll win this on appeal, okay? No, this is a jury of his peers. Now, first of all, if you're the attorney for that father, you suck at this if you helped seat that jury in that in the jury selection process. You suck at this and should consider, you know, ending your career. Also, Hiram Sasser from First Liberty Institute, when I posted about this on my Facebook page today, he posted in the comment section that they've offered them help. And his counsel turned it down. First Liberty Institute has an incredible record of success going up against people on the left on issues like this around the country. And they turned them down. 
That's Kelly Shackelford, Hiram Sasser, Ted Cruz. When he was a when he used to when he was an attorney in this arena, that's who he worked with were these people in Texas, and he, they offered to help, and that council his council turned it down. All right, so the dad's already clearly hired a terrible attorney, terrible counsel. Here's what he here's if 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 you, anybody any of you know him. Here's what he needs to do now. Exactly what Aaron said. Here's the reality of this situation. It's similar to what you're watching with Tranny Madness. Until a dad comes out of the stands at a track meet and says, hell no, you're not doing that to my daughter. And until a dad says, hell no, I'm taking my kid and I'm running. And I, and I believe in the Second Amendment and I dare you, I dare you to try to do something about it and force a local sheriff to give the just following orders line because that's where this goes next. If you are the local sheriff, if you're the local law enforcement and you have been charged with taking this man's child from him in order to, in order to mutilate it, you should refuse that order. This is a country that was built on civil disobedience. It wouldn't exist without the civil disobedience against the, the Redcoats. No, you're not quartering in my home. No, I'm not paying your tea tax. No, you're not taking the Minutemen's guns. And if you look at every last example of reform we've had societally, it has all come from civil disobedience, women's suffrage, civil rights for, for, for racial minorities. There has never been, never been a righteous cause in the history of this country that did not stem from a form of civil disobedience. Christianity in and of itself is the author and finisher of civil disobedience. What was the crime that the Romans put Jesus to the cross for? Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to write a Bill O'Reilly book and claim that uh, Jesus died for taxation because that's not true, okay? But that, theologically, we know why Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross because you hated God and I hated God and all of you hated God and you hated God, Aaron. That's what Jesus went to the cross for. Someone had to pay the penalty for our God hatred and what we did in disobedience to him. But in the Roman hive civic mind, what did they put Jesus to the cross for? The crime of sedition. That he represented a separate kingdom, that he didn't have to obey all of the Roman laws. That he would dare say, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, but render unto God that which is God's. That he would have a chain of command higher than Caesar. The religious leaders who opposed Jesus when they took him to Pontius Pilate, that's why they used the phrase, we have, we have no king but Caesar. That's why they said this. They were letting them know we only work with the, our highest authority is the Roman government. Christianity in and of itself is a representation of the highest law. He's the highest law incarnate. Under no conditions should anybody that aspires to Christianity ever or claim it, ever obey an edict like this from a court, ever. And nor should anybody that works in any form of enforcement mechanism ever, ever enforce this, ever. This goes back to the conversation we had a couple of years ago about the child in England 
Nobody resigned. Nobody said, no, I will not follow this. Alfie Evans, is that who I'm thinking of, right? Correct. Okay. Nobody, there was no civil, that's the death of the West. There would be no West without civil disobedience. You are here and you enjoy these freedoms because people practiced centuries before you arrived, practiced civil disobedience against unlawful edicts like this. They refused to follow unjust laws. And we dishonor their memory and deserve everything these little tyrants would, would, would foist upon us if we don't follow suit. Never in a million years would you take my son from me over something like this without a fight. Better bring it. I promise you that. Better bring it. You're not mutilating my kid. No. I don't care how many jury verdicts you have. I don't care how many judges say otherwise. Not happening. And I don't care how many court orders you make. Try to enforce them. Literally over my dead body is that going to occur. Literally. And if we're not willing to say things like that when there's an egregious injustice like this, the injustices will get worse. Bullies only understand one thing because that's what you're dealing with here, bullies. If, if in the end, you are not willing to punch a bully in the mouth, freedom and liberty aren't for you and they won't be. Yeah, guys have any thoughts on that? You are exactly where I've been in my spirit for the last 24 hours. It's This is weighing on me in a way that I'm just, I'm fed up of with talking. I'm fed up with writing. I'm fed up with everything that continues to allow this at this level. A, a, the, the sister story to this in the last couple of days, it was on the montage yesterday. If I, my memories are about the transgender biker who just won another world championship. And when people are raising uh, obvious questions about this, he's just flat out taunting. He's he called you a bunch of losers. This is allowed to stand. We are beyond words. The time for action, clear action, unapologetic action is absolutely now for exactly the reason Steve said. They, the, there is blood in the water, and these sharks are so used to moving forward with impunity. They must be hit back and hit back hard. There's, there's no other option at this point in terms of the actions we bring to the table unapologetically here and no further. Can I add one quick thing, Aaron? Sure. Here's the thing. We're not a nation of laws and we never have been. We are a nation of political will and we always will be. Unless you are willing to show the political system, the system that there will be massive political fallout, you think they want headlines? How many, how many of those local law enforcement down there in the DFW really want on their resume gun down a dad for protecting his kid from not getting castrated? Think how many of them, regardless of how they vote or if they vote at all, how many of them you think really want that on their conscience and resume for the rest of their lives? Probably not many. They need to be shown this is the price politically to pay for going here. It's not about the law. It's about political will. They need to be shown the political will. Are you willing to pay? Are you really willing to go through with this? Really? 
Do you really want to game, play, game plan this out? Are you sure you know how the game ends? And are you willing to play, pay the price for the end game? Are you willing? If you don't show them that, then the political system fails, and then we're going to see the kind of stuff none of us want to see, regardless of what our belief system is. And that's exactly why you have to push back on stuff like this. Aaron? There is no um, think piece, too smart by half, article at National Review or the Bulwark or any publication such as the uh, artist formerly known as the Washington Standard. There is no meme. There is no president. There is no election. There is no uh, owning the lib that is going to solve something like this. It's a horde of locusts. It is a bully. They must be defeated. And they have to be at a very personal and local level. There is no too smart by half plan about this type of thing. They're coming for you. And no, that's not fear mongering. Guys, what are we freaking talking about right now? What are we talking about? This is an actual this case. Is not, yeah. This is not fear mongering. This is not calling for... What are, are we really talking about? A seven-year-old little boy is essentially going to be chemically castrated. His dad didn't want that to happen, but a jury in Texas said, no, that's going to happen. So, Savior, this is fear-mongering. You guys are overreacting. Don't call for... This guy's the only thing left, like Todd and Steve have said, is punching back. There is nothing... There is nothing else to do other than that that is the end that is the solution until that happens we're keep going to we're going to keep talking about stuff like this we'll come back more here on blaze tv radio and podcast in a moment You know, you're right if you're looking for ways to protect your wealth, your retirement, your savings, your finances from trade wars, currency wars, or even biased media that has been spending most of this year trying to provoke a recession so they can get the election outcome they want next year. Uh, You work too hard to put your money in the hands of scheming politicians and fake news. So yes, it's smart to look for unconventional ways to insulate yourself. But why not go with the option that has proven itself time and again since the beginning of time? And I'm talking about the golden rule here. Whoever has the gold rules. From the beginning, gold is where smart and successful people have put their productivity to protect themselves from these sorts of schemes. Listen, I, I get why you want alternative currency. But, I mean, if you're informed, independent, and not a sheeple, why go with something that is as risky and mercurial as Bitcoin or cryptocurrency when gold has proven to be the solution to corrupt, ineffective governments for centuries? Call the most trusted name in gold right now, Swiss America. Call them toll-free at 800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Or go to their website, SwissAmerica.com. Again, that's Swiss, SwissAmerica.com. Ask them for the timeless truth about gold report and DVD. They're both free. Right now at SwissAmerica.com, 800-289-2646. Well, in my own pro-life research and writing over the years, I've actually used a pro-killing think tank known as the Guttmacher Institute uh, for a lot of my stats. And and the reason why is because if, if the version of truth 
that the other side of the argument is so damaging that it makes your case for you. Why even risk the temptation of putting your own hot mustard on the hot dog, of putting your own spin on things, or, or being accused of gaming the system or framing the argument when you can use their own research and data against them? All right. Sarah Qualley works for the Personhood Alliance, and she is doing the exact same thing right now with the latest research from the Guttmacher Institute that came out here earlier this year. And she joins us here today on The Blaze. Sarah, it's good to have you with us. How are you? Thanks, Steve. I'm great. Tell us a little bit about what the Personhood Alliance is. So the Personhood Alliance is a confederation of independent pro-life organizations throughout the country. We have 25 affiliates right now who are all uniting on the principles of personhood. We pursue personhood, legal personhood, as the essential strategy for restoring the right to life, for restoring equal protection to all human beings um, from the moment of fertilization until natural death. And we also come together to defend and seek to apply God's design for life and marriage, uh, family, sexuality, and gender in our culture. So your goal here, you you guys want to see this end. You're not trying to regulate it. You're you're trying to end this uh, barbarism once and for all, right? Absolutely, yes. and, And I've done tons of stuff on the topic of personhood over the years, but we haven't addressed it in, in a few months on our show. Can you give our audience just kind of the elevator pitch of what what is distinct about this particular approach within uh, the pro-life movement? So, personhood says that every human being is a distinct, living, breathing human being that is deserving of rights, and those rights have been taken um, in Roe v. Wade, obviously, and it's in its precedence, but if we go back and we climb underneath all of the arguments for abortion, and, and it's not just abortion, it's all issues, all things that come against life and, and human dignity. If we look at that, we climb underneath that, and we say that at the foundation of all of those arguments, of all of the issues that we go back and forth with in our culture today, personhood is at the foundation, and that's the truth that humans have rights. And humans are human from the very biological beginning, and nothing changes that. Nothing at all changes that. Not how old we are, not where we're located, not whether or not we're disabled, um, how we were conceived, any of that. Um, Wantedness, society's view of us, right? And so we say, as we work to end abortion and other assaults against human life and human dignity, we will not sacrifice any human life in that process that we will protect every single human life and not compromise on our principles. So you took you, you took a look in, in the research you do um, for personhood. You took a look at the, the latest Guttmacher Institute uh, research on trends and demographics as it relates to uh, the issue of, of killing children. And you've got a bit of a different spin on this from some of the, I guess we'll say, better known national pro-life groups that are more prevalent when it comes to partisan political activism, can you can you tell us where you would deviate from 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 some of their uh, spin on this? Yeah, so I think there's been a lot of celebration about the Guttmacher report over the past several weeks, in particular since it came out, and there always is every time this does come out. And so what I wanted to do is climb underneath those headlines and sort of like wait for the dust to settle a little bit and look past those celebrations and look at the claims that both sides were making. You know, what is behind the decline in abortions? Is it the pro-life efforts that we've 
been undertaking, particularly in the last 50 years, right, the, the strategy of restricting and regulating, is that making a difference? And if not, what's really happening? And I think it's important for everybody to always question these things when they come out. And, and I think we owe it to the 862,000 plus children that were killed from abortion in 2017, according to Guttmacher. And so when we look at that and we start to drill down, we look at trends, we look at not just the Guttmacher report, but other data that we can pull in, other relevant data to say what is really happening on the ground and what does America think of abortion? And again, are our strategies working? And if not, what should we be doing instead? And what'd you find? Uh, pretty alarming thing, Steve, actually. Um, I, I can give you some statistics. Um, Guttmacher tells, tells us that 88% of abortions occur in the first trimester. We know that. That's been a significant trend over time. Of those 88% of abortions, about half of them now are done by the abortion pill. And that's a very interesting thing to, to note because that access um, webcam abortions for the abortion pill dispensation, also self-managed abortions, which is, is a colloquialism that is happening right now coming forward. These things are all increasing. So um, abortion in the first trimester is heavily concentrated and that's not going to stop anytime soon. And so when we look at the increase of the abortion pill over time, even while abortion numbers in total are decreasing, that should be a, a big red flag for us because what the pro-life movement has been doing, particularly at the national level for the last 50 years, is sort of chipping away at the later stages of abortion, regulating it, trying to restrict it. Nothing at all is being done about the first trimester. And that's where abortions are happening. That's where they're being increasingly concentrated and that is what a lot of the trends are telling us in terms of things life, like self-managed abortion, where women are actually being instructed to illegally purchase the abortion pill online and then go and do that in their own home. And that is something that we are going to see more and more of. And in fact, Guttmacher even admitted in its most recent report that it has to figure out a strategy for actually counting those abortions because they're rising so quickly. So what I hear you saying is we we've talked a lot, uh, you know, on the on the family sociological side of things, the decline of the divorce rate in America. Right. But what we haven't often noted is the massive surge in the cohabitation rate at the exact same time, meaning one of the leading causes in the decline of divorces in America is fewer and fewer people than ever before are getting married. Okay. Right. And and so it you know it, it, like in the Obama years they would they would just stop counting people as unemployed if they couldn't find a job after a certain amount of time and and call that a win. I mean they they had just so discouraged them from getting work and going on food stamps that meant that uh, hey we don't count you anymore and that's a win. Well now we're saying yeah hey we lowered the divorce but it's really kind of a yin and yang here because we did it at the expense of uh, the cohabitation rate. I hear you saying this a similar thing here with abortion data which is that with with more um, convenient technologies. I mean, just a half, you know, one of the sponsors of our program uh, is a company called Keeps that helps men with hormonal, uh, FDA approved hormonal treatments for hair loss. And they're one of those things where you can do this online instead of going to a doctor's office. You can consult with a physician that's certified in your state online to get this sort of a hormonal treatment, right? Well, eventually people are going to use this sort of convenient technology 
uh, for nefarious means, like, you know, uh, telemedicine, for example, you know, video conferenced in abortions, or as you mentioned, the abortion pill. And, and so now they're kind of finding the way, our way around the stigmatization of Planned Parenthood and going to the clinic and what goes on in those sorts of places that we have done very effective messaging against that. But now they're finding ways to go around that so you can just go directly to these young women with, this, with, with essentially this Faustian bargain instead. Is that what I hear you saying? Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. And I think it's really important that we consider that as long as we keep celebrating the fact that abortion numbers are in decline and the abortion rate is in decline, and that's certainly something to be celebrating, but as long as we stay up at the headline level and at the surface level, we're always going to be years, in some cases decades, behind what the abortion industry and what abortion advocates are doing. And that's where we find ourselves right now. And I think that we look to not just at our political strategies, but also at how we're doing, how well we're doing at shifting the culture. And when we start to look at the Guttmacher report and we pair that with things like Gallup and things like Pew Research and some of the other information available out there, we see that we're, we're doing a really poor job at that as well. And so that's really frightening to me is that it, we're celebrating these things and no one's asking any questions. And we have to start being proactive. We have to ask these questions. If these strategies aren't working, then what should we be doing instead? But no one wants to face that. No one wants to ask these tough questions. And it becomes particularly alarming, Steve, when we do climb into the data about how Americans feel about abortion, because we always hear all the time about how America is becoming more pro-life, about how we're winning, right? Our, our uh, restriction strategy is causing not only declines in abortion rates overall, which it's not, um, if you climb into the data, but not only is that happening, but we're also shifting the culture. And we have to look at whether or not that's true. And when we climb underneath the reports and look at the actual feelings American America's, Americans have about abortion, we find that that also is not true. We're, we see very alarming trends. All right, give, um, us, seven, give us the most alarming one specifically <laughs> that, that you could cite. So 70% of Americans in a recent Gallup poll said that abortion, um, that we should kill children conceived in rape and incest. Um, 56% said that we should kill a disabled child. And this is in the first trimester. Again, 88% of abortions happen in the first trimester. And the reason why and you're so, bringing that up is because all of our politics are about what Ralph Northam in Virginia says and the yes. New York law that you can kill live babies because those are unpopular political notions. And while you can score political points there, the amount of children being killed in that way compared to what is happening in the first trimester, it's... It's it's you know statistical anomalies. Is that what that, that's what I hear you saying? Correct. Yeah, and and I think that we've retreated so far out of the abortion debate that we're dealing with infanticide now. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's grisly and horrible that that children are killed after an abortion, but but we're 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 over forty weeks now, right? We, we were hanging around the twenty week mark with pain capable. We were hanging around that mark with the dismemberment bans and things that at the national level and the state level tend to go for but now we're outside of we're outside of the, the third trimester i look at that as a retreat and it is a political maneuver and it has absolutely nothing to do with the reality that's going on that that it, again abortions in the first trimester are increasing and increasing meaning we're arguing out loud about things that would have been 
un, politically unspeakable yes. five or 10 years ago. Is that what Absolutely. I, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And, and yet we still have these current strategies. And I think when we look at the Marist poll that all of the pro-life movement and most of the conservative media champion, that Marist poll comes out every January. And the most recent one, um, I believe it was 75%, three quarters of Americans feel that abortion should be should be restricted to the first trimester. We celebrate that. And, and I think the question should be why in the world are we celebrating that three fourths of Americans feel that we should restrict abortion to the first 12 weeks? Because if that's where 88% of, percent of abortions are, then that means they're okay with roughly 90% of the abortions of yes. the 862,000 right. abortions we've committed. That's right. Before, I, I want to go back to something we said here at the beginning, because I think this is a point that needs to be stressed for our audience before we run out of time. Are, are you saying that, that the, the, the largest reason for the decline, according uh, to Guttmacher, the largest reason for decline is that more and more people are just accessing this directly in more convenient ways online or in other avenues. And, and they're having a hard time statistically counting uh, how many women are accessing that similar to how so many people, so many more, you know, MSNBC's TV ratings aren't very good, but millions of millennials watch it online. They just don't get counted in television ratings. Is, is that kind of what you're saying is going on here? I think that's part of what's happening, and Guttmacher is admitting that's part of what's happening, but we have to also look at pregnancy rates and birth rates and abortion rates, and those are all going down. Mm -hmm. And so we can't say that more women are choosing life. And you, if you have we fewer pregnancies, you're going to have fewer abortions, obviously. Right, right, right. But that's all going down. The fertility rate in the United States for the last 10 years has been under replacement value. The, the society's view of children is negative. We see this all the time. We see this in the in all of the the climate change, um, those types of claims that are made about there's too many humans on the planet, the overpopulation. We should Malthusian not. ethics, right? Yeah, yeah. So we see that, and and we see some really disturbing um, drops in the number of children that are born to women. So we have this negative view of larger families. There's a lot of things going on. I think too, what we have to consider is that there's actually less sexual relations happening between people because of the social media phenomenon, because of pornography consumption. It, you know, it's rising terribly, terribly, particularly over the last 10 years. And those things factor in there. People are not having live interactions with each other in the real world. And so there are less pregnancies. I mean, these things, when you start to think about them, make sense when we look at the cultural things that are happening. All right, folks, if you want to get this report, um, this is pretty exhaustive and detailed, and we're only scratching the surface of some of the stuff that, that Sarah puts together here in this research. And it is sobering, but um, at the very least, it's a critical thinking exercise. I'd urge you to take a look at it. What I'm going to do here during the break is I'm going to put this up on our Facebook page at the top of the page. And I'm going to tweet this out during the break as well, the link to it. All right. So you can follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show or just go to our Facebook page, not the Steve Day Show one. That's just for, you know, we, that's just for sharing video clips from the program. You want to like that. That's my personal Facebook page, Steve Day. So you want to like us there. I'm going to share the link to Sarah's work over there as well. And you can take a look at it and find out what you think about it and read it for yourself. Sarah, if people want to follow what you guys do at Personhood Alliance, wh where, where would you recommend that they go? Our website is personhood.org. We're on Facebook at Personhood Alliance. And we're on Twitter at Personhood for All. All right. Hey, Sarah, thank you very much. Good to see you. Take care. Thanks, T. All right.
So I think that, I thought that, I think that's fascinating that we are seeing a statistically significant, you, you, you start approaching 10%, that's a, a, a you know, 862,000, that's a lot. But we are, we are seeing in the latest uh, data from the other side, we are seeing a statistically significant decline in the amount of child killings. But when you factor in that now women are accessing the ability to terminate a pregnancy in ways that have, are, are not traditionally measurable, and then as she points out, the lack of sexual relations and everything else and marriage going on, there may be other factors here more beyond just our ability to make this argument. What are your thoughts, Aaron? Yeah, and this is why the personhood argument is so incredibly crucial to this debate. That's, that's where it has to begin and end, and it is fascinating. Uh, it, it is fascinating. During that interview, I went on Twitter and I was looking at the trending topics, and trending uh, number one, at least for a little bit, was Clarence Thomas. And of course, anytime a name like that trends, it's like, oh crap, yeah. what's happening? Yeah. That's where the last 30 to 40 years of pro-life leadership has gotten us before this point where we really are starting to see organizations like Personhood uh, Alliance start to actually make the argument for personhood. It's all about judges and it's all about restricting abortions we're finally finally starting to make that argument and when we do that successfully those first trimester abortions like you were talking about and sarah was talking about those will start to go down as well todd i'll give you some a chance to comment on this when we come back we'll have fake news or not and pop culture tuesday as well next hour stay tuned We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, along with Aaron and Todd. This portion of the program brought to you by real estate agents, itrust.com. If you want to get involved in a booming market right now and plunging mortgage rates, the time is right, especially as it's getting colder. That means you could find some buyers out there that uh, need to get out of that home before winter comes. And the yeah, it's usually the slowdown time of year in the real estate in- industry. Or you could be uh, looking for a seller who's got to make a move and wants to get into that home because moving sucks in general. It really sucks in the winter, right? So the timing is good. But before you go in, make sure you've got a real estate agent that you can trust, someone with a proven and fully vetted track record of success, someone who has a proven and fully vetted understanding of what a marketing plan entails and what professional courtesy means. If those things weren't proven and fully vetted, they wouldn't be listed at realestateagentsitrust.com because this isn't about finding clients for agents. This is about finding an agent worthy of having you for a client. So if you want to find that real estate agent that you can trust, go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Now, as promised, during the break, I did put up on uh, both our Twitter feed, at Steve Dace Show, and on our Facebook page, just like us there, at Steve Dace. I did put up that uh, report that uh, Sarah Qualley was just talking about from Personhood Alliance, uh, looking at some of the real details in the latest uh, Guttmacher Institute. And again, that's, that's a pro-killing think tank but both sides have been using a lot of their data for years. For example, one of the ways that we know 86% of abortions nationwide are elective abortions and not for cases of rape and incest. And in fact, it's low single digits, the amount of abortions that are for rape and incest. The, the way that we know that is from this institute's data tells us this. Okay, And so everybody from Planned Parenthood to NARAL has been using this 
think tank as well. Okay, so when when they're analyzing trend lines, they're analyzing them from the perspective of the killing side and how do how do we defeat this? All right, and and when they're saying that they don't believe the abortion restrictions that they spend millions upon millions upon millions of dollars fighting in legislatures at Congress and they, on the court level really have much to do with the decline in abortion rate. Uh, nearly as much as cultural factors and that it's now so much more convenient for you to access medicine and medical professionals online and to get the abortion pill in some places than ever before. And they're having a hard time tracking that transaction because it's not as simple as, hey, I, I went and I went to Planned Parenthood and put in, you know, I've got a patient file there and I was there on this date and there's a record of it. Okay. Not to mention, as Sarah points out, fewer and fewer people are having sex. I think we had that report earlier this year, Aaron, that your generation yeah. is ironically the least sexed generation in like American history, even though they're as, as saturated with sexuality as, as more than any other generation, but you guys are having the least amount of it in real life or something along those lines, yep. right? Yep. All right. So she says there's more cultural factors involved when you look at the actual data instead. As you were listening to that, Todd, your thoughts, because we ran out of time well, before I could get to you. To, to, extrapolate even further what you're saying is that this is a size of the pie argument even though fewer uh babies each year may be aborted and amen no matter what the reasons are for that yes. you're saying the, the the percentage of the population of babies could actually be going increased that being yes. executed and i think that's a key point you just made sarah's not here to say don't applaud that there's eight no. percent less abortions what she's concerned about though is if we don't realize the real reasons why more this is actually happening we're going to concoct a strategy in order to make ourselves politically feel good as opposed to take advantage of this decline and go on offense to end this thing once and for all that's what she's why, concerned yeah, about why we're aborting more babies per capita the, mm -hmm. the, the ratio will actually be changing in favor of more relative to babies actually being born that's why i use the analogy of we we're celebrating the decline in the divorce yeah. rate but but it's, right. it, people have just decided to, i'm not going to risk a divorce then and i'm just going to cohabitate instead because i can get out of that relationship a lot easier and so that's the thing in the pit of my stomach when my daughter who's about to be 16 in, in december and will be 16 at the next march for life several months ago out of the blue organically asked if that's something that uh, she might be able to go on. And I was proud of that. It was, uh, I know that there's a level of authenticity there. She's not just hunting for a field trip or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't plant, I mean, she knew it existed, but but I didn't plant the seed beyond that. But th that's this is what's inside of me as I'm thinking. I go, I go to that, to, to what end? What will you be a part of accomplishing? Will this parade look any different 40 years from now? Because we've talked about it. Isn't the ultimate goal is that that march doesn't even exist? And here we are 40 years on talking about this kind of data, these kind of percentages, uh, the level of political propaganda, how this is used as a way. Do what, what do and I do? Do I concern. want her to be a yeah. part of that? And I, how much of that do I want to dump on her right now when she really wants to be a part of this for the right reasons? It's very frustrating. Because here's the thing. It's, if, if you're a national pro-life group that, that is really active and has a seat at the table in the Republican Party, you need you, in order to sustain that presence, you need a massive fundraising effort. Otherwise, if, if you can't bring resources to the table, the party people, don't, you don't have a seat at the table, okay? What is, what is, what is, what's Grandma Moses and Uncle Buck 
are more than likely to send you 50 bucks in the mail with which pitch? Well, folks, the abortion rate's going down, but it's, uh, it, it, it has just as much to do with the fact that, you know, more and more people are pleasuring themselves to porn than having actual sex and having fewer and fewer babies when they, fewer and fewer marriages. And then when they get married, they're having fewer and fewer babies. Or we elected all these Republicans and the abortion rate went down. What, what, what's gonna, right. it, what's Grandma Moses and Uncle Buck going to send you 50 bucks with which pitch? Which one? The last. The latter one. Now, that doesn't mean that pitch is always wrong either. But, but she's kind of that. So you don't have to agree with all of her conclusions. Read it for yourself. But if we want, if you've heard me say for years, any movement that's not willing to listen to its, its contrarians is not a movement anymore. It's a cult. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean, doesn't mean your contrarians are always right. Okay. But if you, if you can't at least listen to their points of order and objections, if you can't overcome the objections of the contrarians in your own movement, you're never beating the people in the, in the, on the other team. Know what I'm saying? It's a little bit like, you know what, if you can't quarterback the team in your own intra-squad scrimmage to a touchdown in practice, your, your, your odds of doing it against the other team are go, go drop precipitously. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Same thing is happening here. Now, there's another angle that she brought up that I didn't have time to get to because it would be a whole separate conversation with her. When you read the report, though, one of the things I find fascinating, Aaron, this is going to be in your wheelhouse too, one of the things you, you find fascinating is the, the massive disconnect the younger you go. And so the younger you go, the more ra- if if you're if you're somewhat pro killing, the more rapidly pro killing you are. I mean like you're like, "Hey man, I'd like to put a stake in that kid's heart, you know, out there in Times Square." If you're if you're the younger you go, the and if you're pro abort, the more rapidly pro abort you are. Like, you know, red rum. I mean, you can't get enough. The bloodlust is you you just, you know, you want to see a body count. You know, you want to see a body count clock down there at, you know, Capitol Hill. And then if you're pro-life, though, the younger you are, the more rapidly, zealously pro-life you are. And with, with, in other words, the, the, in, Aaron's, in, in Aaron's generation, what, what her research basically finds, that from what I read through, is that the pro-choice so-called side is going to be more pro-killing than ever before, and with, with, with no reasoning at all. And the pro-life side is going to be more, this has to end once and for all than ever before. Like, the lines are clearly, starkly drawn. Do you see this, Aaron, when you, see, when you watch this issue in, in your generation go back and forth? Yeah, there's very, very little, uh, very little gray area anymore. And I think that's only a good thing, to be quite honest with you. If indeed the pro-life cause, the true pro-life cause, not just the magic R cause that uh, the uh, Jim Bops of the world uh, love to to champion, champion, if it is truly pro-life, I think the lack of a gray area there is only a good thing. But I definitely do see that even amongst people who I don't I, again, I don't know how you can identify as a Christ follower and be pro-abortion. I don't know how that how those things square but even amongst some of those who who say that they are Christ followers, but there's a little bit of, but they're you know pro, pro there's um, you know pro abortion or whatever. There's no gray area to them. It's either yeah, it's you know it's a really tough decision, but you know it's a, it's okay. Um, the, the lack of a gray area though, I think, is only a good thing if there is a will to follow through for those who are pro life, and I do. I do, I do see that. And you, you keep hearing this phrase, and I just dropped it a little while ago, 
and it's being used over and over again, and we highlight it every now and again on the montage or on the show in some form or fashion of it's a really tough decision. You wouldn't have heard that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys probably have a, a little bit better handle on this being older. I don't think you would have heard that 10 to 15 nope. to 20 years ago. Safe, nope. legal, rare. Yep. Safe, legal, rare. Yep. Now it's really it's a really tough decision. Just an unviable tissue mass. Um, that's what, we, that's what yep. we were told. Yep. Yeah. And now it's a really tough decision. You hear that from even the vociferous uh, pro-aborts out there. It's a really tough decision. That is a sign that, one, what I just said, there is very little gray area. That is true. And two, that that means that they're, they are actually being confronted with the personhood uh, question. That somewhere deep in there's that that's not just a t- talking point. That somewhere deep down they are aware of what this is. Now they sometimes come out. A lot of times still come out on the pro-abort side, but that's just again um, there. There is some headway being made somewhere somehow, and I think it is only a good thing that there is very little gray area anymore. The fact that there is very little gray area, if that is true, if that is a fact, as I contend that it is, I think that is only a good. Thing and I think that's only evidence of somewhat of a win for the pro-life argument. Let's get to fake news or not. Uh, this week it is sponsored by Riduzone. If you're wondering why you're struggling to meet some of your weight loss goals and control your appetite, willpower only takes you so far when you're up against uh, the created order because you were created to crave and conserve calories. Because it's only been a recent development in human history that food was readily available for mass populations and not considered a scarce resource. All right, so what do you do when you need to cut back because it hasn't been scarce enough in your life? All right, now you need to cut back, but your body's conditioned to crave and consume. What do you do? Well, thankfully, your creator put a little check and balance in your system as well. It's called OEA. It's a molecule. That helps the belly signal to the brain when it's full. So the brain does its metabolic work from there. But, you know, imagine like anything else in life uh, that you uh, disavow for too long or abuse for too long. It eventually just, you know, you're you're conditioned to ignore it. That's where Riduzone comes in. Riduzone wants to boost the OEA in your body with just more OEA. That's all that it is. Not loaded with additives, chemicals, preservatives, stimulants, caffeine. That's why there's only three ingredients. And the overwhelming main ingredient is OEA. It's also why it's FDA-accepted vegan-friendly, gluten-free. There's nothing else there but OEA to help you get back in control of your cravings and your portion sizes. If you want to give it a shot, it usually takes about 90 days for a lifestyle habit uh, to become habit uh, there in the subconscious. That's why we're offering you 30% off a three-month supply. That's 90 days right now. If you use my name, Steve, as a promo code at riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Riduzone.com, promo code Steve. And we go to fake news or not. I select a series of clips with very limited exception. These are only from newsmakers and news outlets that purport to be giving us the news here in the what's left of America. We don't sit around fact-checking CNN anymore, any more than we sit around fact-checking Russia today. Because... One's just a propaganda outlet with a Cyrillic alphabet graphic package, and the other one has one in English, and that's about the only difference nowadays. So let us begin with clip number one. Hillary Clinton, if you've heard of her, she's the one that's accusing everybody of being uh, a Russian agent. Anybody that is opposed to her is a Russian agent. So that's a scam that was pretty much put down. Uh, Tulsi, I don't know Tulsi, but she's not a Russian agent. So that's Donald Trump defending Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard from the charge that uh, Hillary Clinton made on Friday that uh, she was being set up by the Russians 
to essentially be almost an independent candidate for president to, uh, you know, the next Russian interference plot. Now, here is just to just to avoid, again, straw men arguments. Here is where um, Hillary's defenders are basing this claim. Okay. It's, it's based off of Tulsi Gabbard's allegedly uh, re- close relationship with Bashar Assad in Syria. And there's plenty of people on the right, by the way, that view her as Assad's girl. Our own Jordan Schachtel that we've had on the show how many times would be among them. Okay. So this is not, this, this claim is not unique to leftists, we should say. There's plenty of people on the right that view her as uh, sympathetic uh, to Syria. Uh, and note that she's uh, sponsored anti-Israel legislation in the Congress before. And so this this notion that since Assad, when he took over from his old man, he wanted to be less of an avowed terrorist state because it kept running afoul of making money because the West doesn't like that. And so, you know, they stopped being in a, as, as openly pro-terrorist as they were when his old man ran the show when we were kids, Todd, and and they were competing with Iran for the title of the chief state sponsor of terrorism, Islamic terrorism in the world. And so now he kind of rule, he rules it in a more Saddam Hussein sense. And, and, and the Russians under Putin have been helping him to prop him up for many years. And so this is where Hillary, the, the Hillary people's contention here is that because of her relationship with the, her alleged relationship with Assad, because I don't know the particular specifics of it, that's just, I, I don't know if that's urban legend or real, okay? Because we also know that she has served her own country in a, in a, in a uniform, and, and it still does, by the way. She still is a member, I think, isn't she a National Guards woman, I think, yeah, still? Yeah, right. she just served during okay. the candidacy, yeah. So we know that's a fact. You know, I, I don't know the tangled particulars of her alleged relationship with uh, Assad, but that's the notion that because of her alleged relationship with Assad and Assad is primary is 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 a is partially a puppet of Putin and the Russians that you put two and two together vis-a-vis. And that's that's where they're they're making links to make their claim. So what do you think? Fake news or not? You can have the fake news on whether you think she's a Syrian asset or Trump's defense of her, which I think is clearly a classic Trump tactic of just throwing a wrench in there because he sees a, a, a division, a divisive moment on the left and why not take advantage of it? And God bless him. I don't blame him for that. What do you think, Todd? Well, in the most important sense, this is true news in that Tulsi Gabbard is not, uh, overtly a Russian asset. And I'm basing that Listen, We're in Brett Kavanaugh territory. There needs to be a smoking gun on this. Now we, are the and the reason I this is a long walk to where I'm going, but the the, Rus, the Russians clearly are playing around with our electoral systems. That and do they have designs on Tulsi Gabbard or somebody else or everybody else? I'm willing to entertain all of that, generally speaking. But when it comes down to the specifics of this question and Tulsi Gabbard uh, specifically, uh, there she deserves the benefit of the doubt certainly from a person like hillary clinton in in terms of such a charge what she is trying to do to tulsi gabbard is what the left tried to do to brett kavanaugh hmm. interesting comparison what do you think aaron well i know recently relatively recently within the last two or three years and i was just trying to look at a look up her name um there was a russian spy of some sort uh a woman uh, who allegedly had some relations with I don't know uh, people. Anyway, she was uh, she was in the spotlight recently, and she was pretty good looking. Uh, and Tulsi Gabbard is pretty good looking. So therefore, all pretty good looking women are Russian spies. So this is fake news from Trump. 
Tulsi Gabbard, Russian assets, end of story. <laughs> All right. Clip number two. Well, they're going to be sent initially to different parts, uh, get prepared, then ultimately we're bringing them home. Yeah? We're bringing our troops back home. I got elected on bringing our soldiers back home. Now, it's not very popular within the Beltway because, you know, Lockheed doesn't like it. And these great military companies don't like it. It's not very popular. And outside the Beltway, my largest cheer in Dallas, I had 25,000 people close in that arena, a record crowd. I had so many people outside of the arena, thousands. My largest cheer that night was two things. We're building the wall. That's number one. And number two, and probably tied for number one, was we're bringing our soldiers back home. So here, here's the reason I selected this clip. Because sometimes I just select a clip, don't tell you guys why it's in there. And then you ask me, well, what exactly am I responding to? And I tell you, well, that's, that's, that's part of what I'm looking for is how you choose to respond it. I chose this for a very specific reason. I agree with every word he said. Every single word he said. I love pointing out defense contractors like that by name. All right. I, I, I have, I've said many of the same things in that clip throughout the course of my career. And what makes me, I guess, different from the, uh, the, most of the people that were in 2016 in the Never Trump camp, like a lot of those people lose their minds over stuff like that. I'm like totally in favor of it. I just don't believe there's gonna actually, he's going to follow through with it. That was, that was what I was dubious of. I, I'm, I, and I remain dubious of it. Right? I agree a lot of the crazy stuff that 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 the system thinks he's violating norms, and that's why we we got to save the democracy. I'm like, uh, I'm I'm all in on all that stuff, um, and that's why I also said when the whole thing in northern Syria with the Kurds began two weeks ago, with the with, with the announced withdrawal, what did I say? If we were leaving Syria altogether, I wouldn't have anything to say about that, but we're not. We're just abandoning this particular part of it with people who have died with us. And now we're sending those troops to back to Iraq again now while we sent 2,000 troops to the, to the Saudis. And his rationale for sending troops to the Saudis was they paid for them. You know what that makes him sound like? A defense contractor. Well, we're mercenaries now. The Saudis paid for it. So, okay, so they're not called Blackwater, Lockheed, Martin. They're just the U.S. US Army for sale now. You pay. And we're there. That, that sounds like how a defense contractor thinks. War for profit. War Inc. That's why I selected this clip. Now, with that in mind, Aaron, you'd like to go first. Go ahead. Yeah. So I would say that this is, um, I, I think what is true about that is why he was elected. Yes, that is absolutely true. The follow through um, is absolutely fake news. So this is the or. Okay, and this is both fake news. I mean, this is Schrodinger's fake news right here. It is both fake news and it is not fake news at the same time. The real news is that he was elected for the reasons that he just articulated. The fake news is that he's actually following through on any of that. So this is Schrodinger's fake news right here. Todd? Uh, fake news, and I refer to you refer you to his uh, transgender edict and how that was carried out to know so you know that it's true. It's yes. There's no there there. But James Mattis is an overrated general, Todd. I'm gonna reset this clip from earlier in the show for fake news or not. Watch it again. 
I think they're lousy politicians. But two things they have. They're vicious and they stick together. They don't have Mitt Romney in their midst. They don't have people like that. They stick together. You never see them break off. Again, as I pointed out top of the show, every word of that is true. But he's endorsed a lot of these people when they've been challenged in primaries, as Romney was. He endorsed Romney in his primary. He has put none of the political muscle of the White House behind ridding himself of nuisances like this and putting people that are loyal to the issues that he ran on. And instead, what he did is he took a guy like Mark Sanford, who was actually loyal to those issues, just didn't like himself, Donald Trump, and got rid of him to put in a squish in that seat instead. So you guys didn't want to comment on this last hour because it so depressed you. Similar stance here now? Uh, Doc, that's uh, mostly fake news from this perspective. The Donald Trump running for president, looking into the future and looking at that Donald Trump commenting right there would have just mocked the hell out of him for being weak and not being a guy. It's a cuck move. Yes, it's a cuck move. So now you're relying on all the same— You endorsed Mitt Romney to come here and use the platform of a U.S. Senate seat— to disrupt your presidency and undermine you at every turn. Why did you do that? That's, if that's not a cuck move, I don't know what the, the, the well, he's, urban dictionary definition of the term is. He's using a Mitt Romney move to rip on Mitt Romney right now. It's funny you say that, Todd. Can we just get to the next clip? Yes. And if we're let this one just speak for itself. Watch. Is Barack Obama an honorable man? I believe he's an honorable man, yes, yeah. I, uh, a good family man, and he made a lot of mistakes. Most presidents do. Is Joe Biden an honorable man? Uh, you know, I don't know Joe Biden terribly well, but from everything I've seen uh, and the interactions I've had with him, he seems to be a, a man of honor. Is President Trump an honorable man? I knew man? where you were going, uh, but, I, but I'm not going to let you ca- catch me in a corner. Uh, he has elements, I'm sure, of honor in his life, and there's th- things that I think are not honorable. Uh, and I mentioned that because of the um, uh, payment to a porn star for uh, sexual relations outside of marriage. Look, I'm I'm uh, uh, I'm one of those who believes that we have a responsibility to be uh, honorable and faithful to our wives. So you helped put the guy in his office. I don't I don't you know, I mean, your lament is fake news. Call BS on yourself. You should t- Trump should tweet against himself. OK for uh, his own fake news, okay? Because he in, he's empowered a lot of this. One last clip. Chris Wallace goes there. Give the devil his due. The last time you and I talked was in August, and I pointed out to you, perhaps not too charitably, that you were at 0% in the polls among African Americans. Uh, there's a new poll out in the last few days. You're now at 2% support among African Americans. When we last talked, you, you, you described a big outreach to minority communities, the African American community. Why isn't it working? Look, for me, this isn't about the polls. This is about making sure that... in the end, it is about the polls. But in order to do well, you need to deserve to do well. And we're focusing on the substance of what I have to offer. Voters want to know how their lives will be different. And in the case of African-American voters, they want to know what my agenda is for black Americans. We're putting forward the most comprehensive plan of any candidate to tackle systemic racism in this country. I'm not the biggest Chris Wallace fan, all right? But hey, 
we call balls and strikes on this show. That was one of the most subtle and brilliant ways to do a, a I almost said the, the wrong phrase, to do an end around. Uh, to Yo, do an, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> that was one of the more brilliant and subtle ways to do an end around. On a, sorry, yes. unintentional humor is always the best. Okay, um, uh, um, Todd and I are can we can we is this live? Okay, <laughs> stop. You rewind. Okay, start again. I'm not the biggest Chris Wallace fan out there, but I have to give him uh, mad props there. That's. That's a professional way to do a subtle yet pointed end around a around a sensitive subject matter. All right. He doesn't just hit him right in the face with it. He comes up from behind and just kind of sneaks it in there. All right. I want to die now. I want to die. Politics is hilarious. <laughs> that all being said, there, there's that. There's a substantive conversation there. That's true, and and it's uncomfortable to do it. But if let's say you're right, and and that about what his prospects really are, you've been right this whole time. I'm just telling you what Chris Wallace is alluding to will become a national issue. I'm telling you. If he is on the ticket, if he's on the ticket, all the Democrats are going to lose by about six points at least. I'm going to put that out there. I I don't know that it will be that much, but I think what you saw in Milwaukee where he saw 20,000 black voters that voted for Barack Obama twice, didn't show up and vote for Hillary Clinton. And that's about 90% of Trump's margin of victory in the state. I think you could see that mirrored in, 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 maybe you won't see it mirrored in the urban centers and, 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 you know, the, the places that are hard left. Okay. But in, but in the urban centers, like in Detroit, Michigan, Flint, Michigan, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, um, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Ohio, and places like that. You will see it. Put a number. You always talk to me in football about what uh, the home field advantage is worth in terms of points, a field what, a field goal or something like that. Yep. Put a number on this in terms of the swing. What is this issue, this candidate? What's the That's number? That's a great way of looking at it. I'd say he's a three to f- – maybe I'm close to where Aaron's at. I think he's a three to five point albatross because you don't just diminish the turnout of one of your core bases. But if you want to know what if you ever ever want to know how many white evangelicals in America would be willing to vote Republican, really, this this is your this is your petri dish to find out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This would do it. So you combine that and that other factor. That is maybe about the swing that Aaron's talking about. All right, Pop Culture Tuesday, the new Star Wars trailer next. Back 
back here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. If you're one of millions of Americans struggling right now with chronic pain, this is pain in the body as a result of too, too much inflammation. I've got good news. Relief could be just one web click away. It's called Relief Factor. You can get the starter kit right now at relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. What's the starter kit? They're so confident in this product. They offer it to you for three weeks for a buck a day, $19.95, a dollar a day for three weeks. Way below cost. Why? Because they, they want to help you, number one. And number two, they think they can. And so they're inviting you to call their bluff. And they think if they can help you, you're going to stick around. Because that's what I did. I was skeptical as well. Uh, but now I'm a daily user of this product. Uh, what it's done for just daily aches and pains as I get older, post-workout, recovery, etc. Todd and Aaron will tell you it has been months since they have heard me come in here and complain I don't even complain on leg day anymore. And that was like an every Monday thing. I don't haven't done that in many a moon. And I've got relief factor to thank for it. 100% drug free, even though it's created by physicians who can prescribe drugs. And so what that tells you is they understand the body is a created organism. It was meant to push back against inflammation and relief factor wants to help you do it the natural way. Give it a shot right now. The starter kit for just a dollar a day for three weeks at relieffactor.com. One, one last thing on the last topic. What makes it difficult in any other context with any other politician on any other issue that had a, an issue that was sensitive politically to discuss in an open forum without, you know, stepping on a down power line, right? If I had said something like really, really smooth way for Chris Wallace to just kind of slip that in right there, there's no... No one giggles or laughs, right? But when you, when, when you make your primary identity one of the most intimate and sensitive things about the human experience, your, sexual, your sexuality, right? How you express yourself sexually. The, you just, how do you, how do you, I, I don't even, you know what I'm saying? I'm, An upside. Yes. Yeah. Because how do you, you how do you avoid un- just walking into metaphors and slang and everything else on a consistent basis, you know? So, and you just got a, a, a taste of. Let's talk about a Let's bad move Star on. Wars movie. Yes. All right. So, Pop Culture Tuesday. You and I look at the intersection of the uh, of pop culture with conservatism at this time each week on the program. So, of course. You want to talk about some foreshadowing? This probably gave everybody a hint of what we were going to talk about today. Last night, it debuted. We're being told this is the last time we'll ever get a Star Wars movie trailer about the Skywalker saga. All right. But for now, we're going to go with it. All right. So they unveiled this to the world last night over at Disney slash Lucasfilm. Here it is. instinct the feeling the force brought us together we're not alone good people will fight if we lead them people keep telling me they know me no one does 
coming together. Is your undoing. What, uh, what are you doing there, 3PO? Taking one last look, sir. At my friends. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny. So there it is. By the way, uh, tickets went on sale last night, and it actually outpaced Avengers Endgame's opening night for advanced ticket sales. We'll see if that sustains itself or not. So we have not discussed this amongst the three of us at all. I had my monthly uh, poker night with some buddies last night, so I didn't. I don't even know what you guys have said about this on social media. So we're all going to kind of compare notes and share our thoughts. And Todd, let me start with you. And you know what? I'm not going to ask a leading question. Just give me your thoughts. Go ahead. Man, uh, we're going on, what, 40 what, years since 1977? 19, May 15th, 1977. Yep. The nostalgia in there, that that it's undeniable when when uh, 3, 3PO has that moment and then Chewbacca growls to it. That's our childhood. Yep. And there's no say goodbye to friends. I get a tingle inside. As frustrated as I am with that, that's like this. It's been... That's the fun side of it. And then I can watch Chewbacca. It has to do with the new characters. It looks like it's Poe and uh, Finn running down that corridor. And Chewbacca's got the laser cannon. It's just like Star Wars. But then there's just, it's a show about nothing. I go Seinfeld. We already knew that the Emperor was coming back. We know that, who is Rey? But you learn nothing in that trailer. I, unless there's some Easter egg that I'm not spot, you learn absolutely nothing, and I think they can't tell you anything because it, if they do, it's going to be preposterous or let the entire cat out of the bag. Because I could see this movie actually having them bringing back it somehow kept it quiet. They bring back um, uh, the guy who, the, who played Anakin uh, in the last Hayden movie. Christensen. Hayden Christensen mm-hmm. bringing back Ewan McGregor, force ghosts everywhere, like every bit of candy, but it's just going to be there. And there's really not going to be a nothing, and that's my fear. We just we we don't have a story yet. Honestly, what is the story that you learn? That that's the, the we're coming to the end. This is what it's all been after nine movies. You have no idea, and that's not a good thing. There's no way they can have some huge surprise that ties it all together. JJ is just flat out lying to you right now about that. There's no way. I'm not saying that this still could be a decent standalone movie. But tying this all together, you you would have seeds planted within this trailer, and there's just nothing. Aaron, what I would really like to see is um, Ray at the end of the movie. I don't know somehow Darth uh, Sidious, uh, the Emperor, or whatever 
uh, comes back, and uh, he's super, 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 super powerful, like like Infinity Gauntlet. Oh shoot, no. Like, yeah, like Infinity Gauntlet, powerful. And Ray, along the lines of what Todd was saying, Ray says, "Jedi." Assemble, and it's all the great Jedi from the past. See this? I'm worried they might do that. I'm worried. I'd rather go back and talk about Pete Buttigieg interview clips if that's where we're going with this. What is there? What is there? Like, what is there to resolve with this? And I maintain that the with the last Jedi. The Emperor's that like, if I had the have... reality stone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never die. <laughs> uh, but if they would have ended the last movie, even Thor after... comes down uh, with his hammer and yeah. crushes him. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> you said you wanted the shared universe. <laughs> yeah, I would like that. That would be fun. <laughs> I would I would I just want to watch the event end game again. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, I've like if the last movie would have ended, even though I was really, really upset that Snoke was killed, oh, yeah, that just makes me mad again. That but that he was killed so unceremoniously. If they would have ended though, the Last Jedi with, uh, uh, boy, I'm blanking on all the Ray and what's the the emo guy who's angry See, all the time? We don't even know the names. Yeah, I Kylo. Said, Kylo. If yeah. they would just would have ended that in battle with that movie with them in battle. That would have changed my perspective completely on that movie because it's a cliffhanger. And there are things that you can resolve in the next movie to maybe kind of still tie things together. But there's nothing to resolve. Snoke is dead. Kylo already had his butt kicked by Rey in the first movie. Or first of this trilogy. You get what I'm saying. Um, so I don't know what there is to look forward to. I still maintain. And I and I say this. I, I say this. Um, I'm not trying to troll you, Steve, but I say I still am thinking that this is going to be better than The Last Jedi because I don't see how that could have been worse. So there's that. So I think the trailer, in terms of its look and cinematography, oh, is beautiful. Oh, yes. yeah, no kidding. Yes. I mean, I mean, they just, you know, it's it it reminds me of you know 15 years ago with where CGI was at that time, how you know. The end, Return of the King just totally maxed it out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was just yeah. stunning. Uh, and and now we're 15 years with even better technology now. And I mean, I, I just am, I wow. I, I mean, you watch it and you just think, I, you know. I'm Double gonna, rainbow across the sky. Yeah, I may yeah. miss the story the first time I see it because I'm just going to sit in here like a five-year-old kid, like watching it. Okay. So the look is incredible. I think you'll be surprised that I don't know that I'm as pessimistic about the outlook as you are, but I agree with your view on the story. And I think it goes back to something we've talked about many times before, but they, they didn't have a story arc laid out for this. You know, they, they buy this for like $5 billion or whatever it was from George Lucas. And they're like, all right, man, we got to take this thing on the road. We got to start making our money back, you know? And if you go back and watch the special features on the Force Awakens DVD, Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote the script with uh, Lucas for The Empire Strikes Back, um, him and him and and um, JJ are on set writing the script as they're in filming. You know, so there's a proto version of the script that um, they do the read through, but a lot, of, but they're still adding elements and stuff to it right there in real time while they're you know in the making of the movie. 
And they even said out loud that they did not. This is not Kevin Feige and Marvel where there's a there's a there's a, a a giant narrative, and then you've got to fit your movie into that narrative. You can you can have as much freedom as a filmmaker as you want, but you can't violate our narrative, you know. Um, and they didn't have that. And so Ryan Johnson comes along and I think makes another beautiful film. It's masterful in my view, except for the one sequence where they go to that, where they have to get their social justice warrior on a casino world. They could have just done that without that entire sequence. But the rest of that movie I think is, is, is awesome. It's just not a sequel to the force awakens. It, it doesn't, it doesn't advance the story in any meaningful way. And it goes beyond the tone difference. There was a massive tone difference. I remember as a kid originally being a little disappointed by Empire Strikes Back as well because I didn't get the story nuances because I was seven, okay? But the more and more, I, and the older I get, the better that film is and I can now see how far it advanced the narratives of the seeds that were planted in, in A New Hope. Ryan Johnson undermined a lot of that. Ray, you know, all the debates we had is Rhea Solo, a Skywalker. What is she? Is she a, is she a Kenobi? Uh, your parents were junk traders. Okay. Um, he undermined and blew up a lot of what you thought Force Awakens was somewhat leading you to. And I think the challenge they've had with this movie all along is they know they've got a course correct. They know they do. And they have been saying that they know that they do. But where your pessimism comes in is... We've now had a teaser trailer, um, and I actually think the teaser trailer was better than this trailer from oh. a marketing standpoint. And the reason why is because it, it, you finally get a marketing angle with the emperor's laugh at the end. What does that mean, yeah. right? You don't walk away from this thinking at all, what does any of this mean? And that's where your, your, your leftover skepticism from the last movie, hey, you keep telling me you know you've got a course correct from what happened in the last film. But you still haven't shown me yet. And, and you mean to show me, tell me there's nothing you can show me that doesn't blow the whole plot of the movie away? I'm skeptical of that. And so if there's nothing you can show me that doesn't blow the whole plot of the movie away, I'm wondering if maybe you were able to actually pull off the story you told us you had to tell. Right? Is that where you're at? Exactly. I don't, I don't blame you for that. And that's why I think this is a, you know, I've, I've talked before, there's a guy I like, he's a big lib, but I love his movie analysis. It's funny. His politics and mine can be much different, but we almost always have the same views of fanboy movies. John Campia has his own, a very popular movie blog. He used to work for AMC theaters. And that's, your view is his view of this. This looks absolutely beautiful, but they missed, this is a missed opportunity. And, and what's, what I like about John is he thinks your, your social justice warrior complaints about The Last Jedi are totally wrong because he agrees with a lot of that politics. But he also acknowledges that you are a valid member of the Star Wars fan base and they unnecessarily alienated people like you at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I like about John. Okay, and, and his concern is that they missed an opportunity to, to, to throw something in there beyond the nostalgia that you mentioned, to throw something in there that they that they understood what you what you needed to see and you're going to see it okay something they never did that I would, and i think that's a missed opportunity i agree with you i would love nothing more than to feel wrong coming out of this trailer like maybe i missed their ability to fix this thing and not not one thing and now that one scene towards the end when Ray is in the distance and she's looking at something and it looks black. And it's I thought probably for a the Emperor on his throne. I thought it might be, but it looked yeah. kind of mechanical. I thought I it might it's be the Emperor Vader. On, the, on that throne, I think is what it but is. But other than that, I, I've I, I've seen it three times now. I can't, 
I, I, I was excited to see it. I was not looking to hate it. Did you give me, throw me a freaking bone here. You're, right now you're where I'm at with Michigan football, man. I'm all in. I want to believe, but I cannot let you break my heart again. So I am, I am, I'm, I'm defensive to avoid you crushing my soul one more time. Right. That's where you're at right now. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron, what do you think? I, I'm I'm there too, and I don't have the emotional connection to Star Wars that either of you have because uh, you're both pretty old. You're older than I am. <laughs> yes. Uh, no. <laughs> Somebody this weekend, I kid you not, on my daughter's soccer team asked if I was my daughter's grandfather. So I got it. <laughs> yeah, that Ouch. happened. Uh, but I still, I'm, I'm still a big Star Wars fan. I would say, and I just wanted a good story. I completely agree. Even the first movie as well, the, the first um, of this new trilogy, I thought that was beautiful too. I thought the second movie, I've never debated that it was a beautiful piece of filmmaking. I just want a really, really good story. And maybe it's Marvel's fault for setting expectations really, really high now. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like me and my girlfriend were talking about one time that going to the movies is, again is not really going to be so much the same. Because you've been to so many Marvel movies and you keep that you, that experience up and there are things to look forward to, the, the, the post-credit um, you know, uh, teasers and what have you. Yep. And that thing's over now. And That's it a great feel, point. And it doesn't feel the yep. same. Yep. And I wanted something like that from this new Star Wars. Really, really wanted that. And it's obviously not going to happen. That's a great point your girlfriend made because I, I I love the experience of going to the movies. I've got a nice setup in my home, but it doesn't beat the smell of the popcorn, the the bigger screen, the trailers, and my standards now. With what I mean, I remember walking out when we walked out of Endgame. All of us had they freaking did it, man. Yeah. They yep. freaking did it. Yep. Like they they did. We, there's no way they could pull it off. And we're like they they freaking did it, man. Oh. Okay, and so now, I mean, I just had the hair on the back of my neck stand up, even remembering when, that when Cap caught the hammer, I was yes, like, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, and I, I okay, mean, and the, and, the, the, I, the I've never seen an audience more into it oh, than I that know. moment, and I'm right kind now. of at the point now where I would just go to movies that I thought maybe it'll be good, but I enjoy the experience, and now I'm like, if if you can't, if I don't think there's any chance you're going to give me that level of of reaction. I'm like I'm not I I don't I, I don't go as much anymore. This is you know a, well. This is a question way beyond the amount of time we have. But this whole it was originally intended to be nine. George Lucas said so. Yep. But how do you make the end of the original trilogy, the the, the, the Anakin, the redemption of if that's really the core? I, I mean, this what is there really to say in the last three movies? I think that's been the struggle with this thing. before I even saw Force. I was that was the question in my heart, like. Isn't this thing There's really There's only over? two stories to tell. That is, that is who is Ray really, and the redemption of Kylo Ren. Those are the really the only two stories left to tell, in my view, from a guy who has written some stories himself, just nowhere near as successful. All right, great show, guys. We're gonna stick around and do the overtime for everybody else. John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network. 